Welcome to an all new episode of the Lisa Ann Experience. I am your host, Lisa Ann. I'm so happy to be in your ear. I'd like to extend my gratitude to you for making me a part of your listening experience, for following along in my journeys, which hopefully you're following on all social media platforms at The Real Lisa Ann. I'm at The Real Lisa Ann on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I'm verified on all three platforms so that I know the verification thing is getting weird with Twitter, but, uh, and I'm The Real Lisa Ann on TikTok as well. So, if you've been following my journeys, this little catch up conversation we're about to have right here. It's not going to catch you by surprise. There's no big mystery here. There's a lot of fun that has been had. Just like I discussed the fun, if you got a chance to listen to last week's episode with probably one of the greatest guests ever, and I was out of sorts. And listen, it happens to all of us. You cannot tell me that there hasn't been a night that you stayed out too late when you shouldn't have. We've all been there. I powered through the day. It's not like I canceled anybody, but I wasn't my best, and he was his best. That's Ben Askren. Uh, his new book, Funky, he is an Olympic wrestler, an MMA champ, and if you haven't listened to that episode, you can find it on all listening platforms, or you can go to my YouTube channel, where I am also the real Lisa Ann, and you can watch or listen from YouTube. I do both. So now that McAfee is no longer on Sirius XM, I just go straight to the YouTube if I'm going to take a walk later and it's edited on podcast, I'll do that. But I kind of like having my iPad in the background. Like when I want to look at it, I look at it. So I'm kind of listening, but I'm watching. But then if I'm getting my nails or my hair done, I am watching. Am I the only woman that saves her appointments to make sure that the McAfee show is live? Because I do like to watch it live because you know you want to you want to react to things live. It's such a great show, but that's not the point. The point is, YouTube is there for you, the real Lisa Ann. And for those of you who have watched me on YouTube, you're flipping out right now because I'm not wearing all black. I'm wearing a hoodie that will self-explain itself in a very near part of this podcast, but I'm wearing a Ticket Rev hoodie that is gray. Normally I wear all black and I wear all black for many reasons. I like all black. It also, when you wear all one color, you can put all of your laundry in at all one time. Life just gets complicated when you're sorting colors. I know we've all washed something with something that wasn't supposed to be there, and then it was ruined, okay? Red is known for that. Red can ruin your life. Put a red sock in with something, there goes all your laundry, it's pink. So the black thing, I'm wearing a gray hoodie. You're going to get to know why soon. But first, let's talk about this past week. So lots of good adventures that you can see on my timelines, and they all led up to Friday night. When I was getting ready to get together with friends, Allie, Allie, and Alex, and Mario. Uh, Allie, Allie, and Alex. Like when I had to introduce them all night. So my friends are here, Allie, Allie, and Alex, and Mario. Um, it just was so funny. It's very odd, but all the girls got together. We met up here, and we went out to see the Young Gravy Show at Terminal 5. So cross Past cross with Young Gravy when I was during my Switzerland trip. Uh, that was when I heard he had he had sang about me in a song. Uh, that was when we started communicating, and it just kind of synced that he was going to be in New York earlier last week, and then he was going to be in New York at the end of the week as well. I was able to bring friends to the show. We were all able to have a great time, and from that, you know, it's just a reminder that sometimes it's fun to just let your hair down, do fun things, and share them with the world. And what I have to love about the responses from my interactions with Young Gravy the most is there's this constant thread of every other message, whether it be on Instagram or on Twitter, that says he, he can't keep getting away with this. Like, he can't keep getting away with this. And uh, he's just living an incredibly fun life. And I just celebrate that. Imagine when I was his age, I was on the road. Uh, I was meeting all of these different celebrities. I was going and being invited to special events and games. And I can look back on that time in my life, remember how fun it was when you met the right people. And being a part of that and re Verse at this point in my life, I ended up getting home and Allie stayed here. Allie one and Allie two, we'll call them. Allie one stayed here and you know Allie one. Allie McCann, I've had her as a guest here on my podcast, Lisa Ann Experience. Allie is in the sports world with me and was introduced to me through a mutual friend of mine when she started working with Run Pure Sports. And when she started working with Run Pure Sports, it was going to be her first time, like, you know, kind of shooting the sports related content and holding who I also had on the Lisa Ann experience. Y'all meeting all of my friends. 
Do you realize that you meet all of my friends? You think you don't know everything about me, but these are actually the people I talk to when I'm not talking to you. So Holden reached out to me. He's like, hey, we brought on this, this wonderful, really talented baseball mind. incredible. You know, Allie McCann, would you mind talking with her? And I'm like, oh, this is great got on a FaceTime right away. I know that I can offer a lot of insight when it comes to like the easiest stands to use to set up your phone, the easiest lights, how, how they have some packable things. And, you know, I'm always like, Hey, just let me put an email together. I'll pull a bunch of links on Amazon. These are the things that I use the most. These are the things that work for me because it's trial and error. I just realized that I opened a box in my storage the other day and I legit have a graveyard of phone stands because with different cases, different phones fit differently in stands. And I never like the ones that you have to squeeze and it squeezes on your phone really hard. Sometimes they fly out and it's very hard to find ones that screw in that will adapt to any size and hold the phone, but it is clutch and it allows you to use your phone, whether it's vertical or horizontal. And so like, what are the things I have to do during the downtime over the holiday season is take those things out of the storage. They don't need to be there. I'm never going to go back to them, but it must've been, I was cleaning my office closet and I was like, oh, I have this whole box of, so when I met Allie, I was able to kind of streamline the process for her. We got really close, started talking regularly and it just so happened she reached out to me last week and she's like, hey, can you do lunch on Friday? I'll be in the city. And she's like, I was considering staying over. I'm like, well, I can't do anything on Friday. Fridays are my busiest day as you saw because I posted a detailed schedule from Friday on my timeline on Twitter at the Really Sam. And uh, I'm like, hey, but do you want to go see Young Gravy? And she was like, well, yes. I'm like, well, you can stay here. I have a Murphy bed. I'll pull it out. Um, so she came in and she was staying here and I said to her, like, these are really just the moments in life where you take a step back and you realize how fun life really can be. It's so easy for us to get wrapped up in work and it's so easy for us to say we're going to make plans with friends and not make them and how spontaneous it was that Allie was going to be here and she was able to stay, you know. I think the holidays are a great time where we all reflect a lot and I'm just kind of rolling into that because I do go on my Thanksgiving vacation to Lake Tahoe tomorrow and I'll be gone for a full week and I got all of my work done in advance over the weekends so that I can just do just little check-ins on social media, but I don't have to do anything else. I'm going to set the out of office automatic reply to my emails. People that know if somebody in my immediate life needs something, they'll text me. But for everything else, just like everybody know, I'm not blowing you off, but I'm going to get back to all of these starting next Tuesday. And I've reflected back on this year of me turning 50. And I've realized, first of all, how lucky I was that this wasn't 2020, because that would have been awful for all the people that had special events that couldn't do them. Like, oh, I think about kids graduating and I just met a, a girl at my building who was graduating college and she was on the swim team and she couldn't do her last year. And so like all these different things that really affected the lives of younger and older people didn't, you know, I was in the middle zone, but turning 50 this year and saying, okay, this was going to be the first year where I only covered football and I was going to be able to have kind of like the spring summer season off. I did my big shoot in March with Holly Randall out in California where I shot these photos, these beautiful balloons for my 50th birthday. During that, we did uh, 50 days and look back at, you know, 50 great experiences in my life, whether it was being in the Eminem video or speaking at the Oxford Union and meeting Dr. Ruth or, you know, singing, going on stage with Motley Crue or like all of these different, incredible, wild, fun and great journeys I've had. And then the year has just rolled where I've been able to have more face-to-face -face time with friends. I've been able to be more connected. I've been able to make more time for FaceTimes, see people in person, enjoy my time in Central Park, bike ride, do all the things I truly love to do. And then it rolled back into football season where things kind of get stupid busy for me. And it's a time where it's like I could easily be incredibly antisocial because my days are so long and it's easier to just, you know, take a shower, watch a little bit of TV and go to bed. But this year I just decided that I wasn't going to let it own me. You know, I was going to still do things. I was still going to take this trip to Switzerland. I was still going to do exoticas. And this year I'm actually doing ABN as well. I'll be signing at the Elevated X. I wasn't going to let it like just be the only, and I'm so much happier. And Yes, I might mess something up or I might make a mistake on my fantasy league or I might have missed one little bit of news, but I'm living life. And I think coming up in the holidays is a great time for us all to reflect 
on how we're living our lives and are we are we living and doing the things that we want to do? Are we making enough time for our friends? I mean, look, last week I was stressed because I get stressed if my house is not in order, if my laundry starts to pile up. When you work out every day, you have gym clothes every day. You've already made laundry by nine o'clock in the morning. Then your clothes close and then this, and then, you know, towels at the gym and all of it. And I was stressed about it. And I sat myself down last Thursday and I'm like, this isn't the end of the world. Like you should be happy that you have so many fun things going on that you're a little bit behind on your responsibilities right now. You're handling your work, but if your laundry has to pile up till Saturday and Sunday, which it did, and I did it all day Saturday, all day Sunday, because with a stackable washer and dryer, you cannot wash as many clothes. And you know what? I should have just gone downstairs because there's huge washers downstairs. I should have just done it all at one time, but whatever I didn't. But I'm trying to remind myself that it's okay if sometimes things are a little out of order. You'll get to them when you can. Having fun is actually a priority. And I'm really feeling that right now. And we posted some great mom and dad photos on social media. I did because dad is such a great, cool expression right now. And of course, mom just ties in with me so well. And what I realized is there's an elephant in the room that I've got to address because there's a lot of interaction about Gump. So to my Gumpy listeners, let me just put this out there. This free Gump movement has not changed for me. I have continued to try my best to stay as connected with Gumpy as possible. This import-export situation has lasted longer than any of us predicted or expected. And I'm really sorry that the gravy train happened. You know, I, it just happened. It was a spontaneous thing, you know, and, and here I am now in this young gravy situation and posting and I cannot believe how many posts are like, how could you do this to Gumpy? No, how could you do this to Gumpy? No more free gum. So I just want to say like, my love for Gump is still right here. When he comes back to the U.S., we've already talked about Vegas, his birthday. We've already talked about him coming to New York. We've talked about a lot of things to make his life as exciting as humanly possible to make up for lost time while he's been in Canada. And I'm there for the free Gump movement. And I'm there to want to fly to the airport when Gumpy lands in the U.S. I am there. I'm committed no matter what. And I want everybody out there to know this and also to say I have mad respect for all of you and how much you go to bat for your guy, how much we are all just incredible fans of the Pat McAfee show. And this community that that show has built, I'm just really happy to be a part of it. And I'm glad that you know I'm a part of it. And I'm still 100% here standing strong for the free Gump movement. I'm sorry if I let any of you down, but that was the elephant in the room that I really, really, really need to discuss. I have a guest today and the guest ties in with right here. That would be Ticket Rev. And you know, just like when I started talking to you all about my mad love for Soda, who did you meet? You met Chris Miller, CEO of the company. I thought, Meeting my friend, Jason, who I've known for almost 10 years now, we met at a sneaker exchange event that I was there um, back in the day when I would do a lot of sneakerhead events for Dunk Exchange and these different, I met Jason, we have a photo together. After the pandemic, I was hosting some events at headquarters. Jason came in, reintroduced himself to me and reintroduced me to his new business that he had launched. Imagine having a ticket business during the pandemic wasn't great. And now- People are getting out and doing things again. And I thought, we're going to be working together a lot. We're going to go to some games together a lot. Nothing is better than us learning about how a company started and what the company's goals are than from the person themselves that is the CEO of the company, the person themselves that is the face, the brains, the operator that decided this was going to be the next move of the pivot. So TicketRev.com is where you're going to want to go. Follow all social media at TicketRev. Meet my friend, Jason Chesky. As many of you know, I like to share the people that I've met along the way. And today's guest, my friend, Jason Shatsky, founder of Ticket Rev, which is such a timely conversation to be having with the Taylor Swift controversy going on right now. Jason, how are you today? It is great to see you. Great to see you too. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. You know, we met, let's start there. So everybody knows kind of our history before we go into kind of our future, because you've been so clever and creative and your ability to pivot is something I always admire in somebody. Cause I think in life, you've got to pivot, pivot, especially with technology that's always so ever so changing. 
You started your young work life as a hustler, 13 years old in the sneaker world. I met you the very first time in Miami. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Um, it's it's hard to believe. Um, and and being a baseball fan too, that stadium had just opened, so it's it's really cool memories. Yeah, so everybody knows we were at the Miami Marlins Stadium for a sneaker exchange. So we were in kind of the walkways where you'd go down to the seats, and the stadium yep. was brand new, like just so pristine. I got to walk out onto the field, and I remember just being like, "Oh my gosh, this is such a cool experience!" Because you know, a new stadium. How did you get into the sneaker exchange business? Because I know 10 years ago, that was the biggest thing. Yeah. So I grew up here uh, in South Florida in the Miami area. Um, and at a young age, when I was in middle school, fell in love with the sneakers that my favorite players were wearing. Um, it just became a hobby of mine. LeBron was playing down here starting in 2011, um, around that time that we met. Um, and, and LeBron has always been my favorite player. And, and it started off as a hobby. I started collecting sneakers that my favorite players were wearing. I was making money doing odd jobs and um, would go to the mall Saturday mornings, buy the newest release, learned about it on the internet, reading blogs, um, listening to podcasts, magazines, things like that, um, and quickly realized that there was a business behind it. And I've always been very entrepreneurial. Um, so I started getting multiple pairs at a time, would sell one to fund my own collection, um, eventually started doing it uh, in person, selling, then online on eBay. Um, and then around the time that we met actually was when I started my very first website, it was called 37 kicks. Um, and we were a vendor at the sneaker event, um, that we had met at. And, and so we, yeah, we, so we were there, we had a booth and, you know, we were selling a lot of our inventory. And, and so that's how I got started. So you kind of were fully breaking even because you had part-time jobs as a young man and you're buying sneakers right. that though they weren't as expensive as they are now, I'm sure they took your entire paycheck. How did you know what sizes to buy when it came to the resale world that you wouldn't get stuck with them? Yeah, my my first rule was to never buy my own size because then I was tempted to keep the inventory and wear them myself. So that was the first rule. Um, the second rule was we start we started doing pre-orders. So we would okay. you know, we, we'd be able to figure out how many pairs of each release we could get, and we would sell them in advance so we knew what size to get. Um, otherwise, usually. Generally sizes nine to eleven are most popular, but always had to figure out first, make sure I didn't get my own size. When you started this venture, it was kind of really popular in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. You probably had a great kind of handle on it in Florida. And over yep. the next five years, like how long did you stay in the sneaker exchange business? Yeah, it was really until I graduated high school in 2017 was when I stopped running the business itself. I'm I'm a sneakerhead myself. I collect on my own, and so I'll never be I'll never be out of the sneaker game completely. Um, but it was really towards the time that I got to the end of high school that I stopped running that business and was ready to move on to something else. And what was your next venture after sneakers? Yeah, so my next venture is what I currently do now. Um, I, I run a company called Ticket Rev, um, and our mission is to help fans find cheaper tickets to uh, their favorite live events, so primarily concerts and sporting events. Um, and, and with all of the experience that I gained in the sneaker industry, um, in understanding supply and demand, um, and understanding customer service, marketing, social media, all of that fun stuff, um, came with came up with this idea of how can we make how can we make the process of exchanging event tickets more efficient. Um, and so the the way that we help fans get cheaper tickets is by allowing them to name their price for their preferred seating location. Um, so a good example might be, let's say the two of us want to go to an upcoming Knicks game. We can go on the ticket rev platform and say, we'll take two tickets at $100 each located anywhere in the lower level. Um, so you're choosing your event, um, naming your quantity and your desired price, um, and then a general seating location of where you would like to sit. Um, and then that enables a seller. Um, so a ticket reseller, a season ticket holder, or even the team themselves to come on our platform and actually fulfill that request. Um, and so ultimately, we're helping fans find tickets cheaper, about 18% on average. Um, and we're creating another distribution channel for teams and ticket resellers to be able to liquidate their inventory faster. What do you see similar in the ticket resale business that you also noticed in the sneaker resale business? Yeah, extreme demand with a finite supply, um, meaning everyone wants the latest sneaker release. Um, everyone wants tickets to the big games and shows, um, but there's only so many to go around. So understanding um, the right time to sell, the right time to buy, 
um, and just overall how to navigate the industries. There's so many parallels between the way that I uh, was was buying and reselling sneakers and the way that people today currently buy and resell tickets. And so now being much older, I'm able to see kind of how the industry is going to play out and understand what moves to make and and how to essentially create a more effective industry. I think we should talk about this current situation because I think a lot of us, like myself, who's not quite as familiar about the ticket exchange or ticket sale business, understands that there was just a huge mess over Taylor Swift. And last night she spoke about at the awards show that the fact that this is so out of her control, how does something like this happen? Is it mass, mass overload of the system because there's like you said, an infinite supply, too many people at Ticketmaster, Ticketmaster just continuing to raise the price to make it unaffordable mm-hmm. because everyone says that they were absolutely priced out of any seat to go to a Taylor Swift concert. Yeah, it's simply greed. One word, greed. Um, Ticketmaster is, they have a monopoly in their merger with Live Nation. They have a monopoly over the entire industry. Um, what they're doing is they're measuring demand and they're seeing how many people are signing up for the presale, how many people are clicking the event. And essentially, they're trying to maximize profits and figure out how high can they raise the prices before people stop buying. Um, and so I suspect that when they keep delaying each presale, it's because they're still trying to figure out the pricing system. Um, and, and where ticket rev comes in long term is because we're asking fans what they're willing to pay. At scale, we become the best pricing tool possible because rather than trying to predict or analyze, um, we are literally just asking fans. And, and um, the unfortunate part is that through this system, it ends up going to the people who have the most money, not the true fans. Um, and so anything that we can do in, in helping get the the real fans to shows and to games is, is something that you know we hope to be able to do. I mean, it's unbelievable. So what they're doing is they're looking at the pre-sale and then they're analyzing the data and they're saying, okay, we only have this many tickets, but we have this many yep. people that want them. So we can pretty much charge whatever we want because we still need to weed out 80% of the people that want them because we don't have enough seats. We don't have enough shows. We don't have enough venues and that's how it goes. So for someone to kind of have their hopes set on getting to go, most likely they're absolutely priced out. Having a budget is so key and it doesn't guarantee that you're going to get to go to a game or a show. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we both know that there's a lot of resellers that buy blocks of tickets, especially for sporting yep. events. You and I know this about basketball, especially they buy blocks. And then like last minute, like if you want to go to a Knicks game last minute, it's unbelievable how cheap the tickets can get because mass resellers bought too many and expected them to sell and mm-hmm. they didn't. So how quick can the turnaround be? Do you ever sell same day? Yeah, absolutely. We see uh, we see bids on ticket rev being accepted same day or the week of. Um, generally, what happens is, to your point, um, there are people who try and predict how expensive the tickets can be and, and far out. Typically, sellers have their tickets priced high. And as the event gets closer, prices drop. Um, unlike the sneaker industry where you can hold on to a sneaker forever, um, tickets have an expiration date. If the event is Saturday and today's Thursday, you have 48 hours. Um, And so the only way to sell faster is to lower your price. And that's the beauty of Ticket Rev is that you don't have to gradually lower your price. You can accept the highest bid. So it's also creating a more efficient process for sellers um, because we we see a lot of fans who put up a bid on Ticket Rev and then it's accepted later on because our system catches the price drop for them. That's awesome. How did you set up? Is that an algorithm? Is that how the system works in the back end that it would notice that and accept it? Yeah. So our system is is constantly checking inventory prices um, from our sellers. So if you put up a bid that doesn't get accepted immediately or that day, um, there's a good chance that eventually it will. And we're always encouraging people that the higher the higher they bid, the better chance they have um, of getting tickets to the event. And we do everything we can to make sure that they do get tickets. Um, However, we have seen that as prices drop, sometimes it meets where the bid is at and that automatically facilitates the transaction. Um, So I think that's probably the best part of our application for, um, for consumers and for fans is having the ability to name their price and then essentially wait. Um, We're helping people who otherwise wouldn't go to go to an event to have a chance if they can get tickets at their budget. And how's the best way to use TicketRev? Through the app? Through the online um, platform? Yeah, so you go to TicketRev.com. That's TicketRev.com. Um, and you can you can view our platform. Our, our new mobile often... application. Our okay. new mobile application is releasing very soon. 
that's going to be very helpful too. But for a lot of people yep. being able to put in their dates and everything. So how often have you started to see repeat customers coming back? Cause they're like, Oh, this is, this is great for me, whether you're a seller or a buyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the time. I mean, no one, no one's ever said, I love StubHub. No one's ever said, I love Ticketmaster. Um, <laughs> so we're able to, you know, we understand customer loyalty. I learned that in sneakers. Um, I understand that just from a general business perspective. Um, and there's a real opportunity for us to form relationships with our customers. And ultimately people want the best deal. I compare, um, I compare the ticketing industry a lot to the airline industry because they're both necessary evils in the sense that oftentimes you don't care about which particular airline you're booking from. You just want to get from point A to point B. It's the same with ticketing. You just want to go to the event for the best price. Um, and so we understand that um, and, and we want to become the platform that fans trust. And you've been working on this platform for quite some time. What were the mm-hmm. struggles first started and what's been the greatest surprise to you since you started your new business, Ticket Rev? Yeah, I think the biggest struggle was was COVID. I mean, that goes without saying. Our industry was essentially destroyed and 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 Done. non-existent for about a full year, if not longer. Um, so that was by far the biggest struggle is I was a college student. COVID happened. It delayed the launch of, of our company. Um, so that was really difficult. I think the biggest success and the biggest surprise is just each time we have a transaction, um, each time someone sends us a piece of feedback after the event, um, or after they receive their tickets saying how they love the process. It's so cool. Why don't more people know about this? Things like that. Yeah. It's really nice when people write a nice review. I think people mm-hmm. are more inclined to complain and write a complaint, but good reviews are really powerful. Right. And it's a, it's a big pat on the back as a business owner. And it's also lets right. you know, like, I see you, I know who you are now, you know, you're in this database and it's, let's ask the process. Let's say, I get a gift of two tickets and mm-hmm. I am unable to attend the event. I get a gig out of town. I'm unable yep. to attend the event and I'd like to sell the tickets. How does it yep. work on the seller's end? Yeah, absolutely. Good question. So the way it works is you locate the game. Um, first of all, you find the event on our platform um, and then you just plug in the quantity section and row of your tickets um, and it will tell you the highest bid as long as there is one. Um, and it's, it's an instant sale process. So if you see a bid for $100, you can accept that you get paid immediately. Um, and you know, the, the buyer gets to go at their, um, at their offer price. Um, and, and it's so easy and so convenient for someone like yourself as a seller, because you don't have to deal with listing for sale anywhere else. Um, and I think one of the big misconceptions about reselling tickets is that most people reselling, you know, are in a situation where they just can't go to one event. But in reality, if you think about a season ticket holder to basketball or baseball, they have 40, 50, 80 events and and people who have tickets like that, they're busy. Um, And so having to list for sale, monitor the listing, you know, lower your prices as the event gets closer, like we spoke about, that takes a lot of time. Um, And so we're making it an instantaneous process in the same way that you could get the instant value for your used phone, for your sneakers, for your car. We're doing that for tickets. How does the payment go through? The payment goes through you. And so it's not like, you know, if you list on, there's other sites you list on, it's like a third party payment thing where you've got to call this company and it is so much work. I've done it once. I never did it again. How is it different with Ticket Rev, Jason? Yeah. Payment is handled through our platform. Um, So a buyer is charged by us and then we're distributing a payout to the seller. So you never have to worry about not receiving your payout. You never have to worry about getting scammed. Um, we were, were a trustworthy and reliable marketplace and, and you know that's how we position ourselves. And so um, payments are all seamless. There's no communication between the buyer and seller. Um, there's, no, there's, there's, no, there's no transaction outside of our platform. Right. You become the absolute hub for that and everything exactly. is handled in one place and that helps everyone with the ease of the transaction and knowing where the money is coming in from. And then the tickets that are sold by the seller mm-hmm. are then emailed to the buyer. Exactly. So in most cases, a ticket is electronic. Um, so it's delivered to you via email. You can edit to your Apple wallet. Um, occasionally it's a PDF or maybe a wristband for a festival, but sure. um, most of the time it's it's via email and it's very easy and instantaneous. Because there are some specific events, like you just said, a wristband or a PDF, mm-hmm. there are those things. Right. I mean, this is so revolutionary. And I love the fact that, you know, the sneaker thing, how we initially met, was such a hustle and it became Mm -hmm. such a hustle. Like I learned about Supreme and was blown away how in LA 
the day the Supreme store had new stuff, the line of people oh, that are yeah. just going to buy it and resell it. Like this just became like, this is like a business, a business. And when 2013, when I met you, the hustle wasn't as big. I'm sure competition got great. Now you're kind of standing on an island on your own, Jason, with Ticket Rev, because you've come up with a truly unique model of a new way to have a transactional process for going to an event. And do you cover all events? Like, would your company have the Rockettes and different concerts and all the different shows? Yeah. So our initial launch... um is, is in New York, Miami, Boston, and a couple of other cities. Um, our, our new mobile app is releasing very soon in the coming weeks, um, which will allow us to expand to all of the major cities. Um, so yeah, we cover we cover everything from major sporting events, college sports, uh, concerts, and even shows like the Rockettes. I'm kind of blown away. How is the data exchange? Because you've got to be on the pulse of what's going on everywhere. So you get the season ticket. That's kind of easier because the games don't really move unless there's crazy right. weather in the NFL. Like, you know, this mm -hmm. must have been crazy to move an NFL game. You know, people don't realize moving the Bills to play in Detroit it's a ticket thing. The stadium is oh, not yeah. exactly the same. You can imagine the nightmare that goes into something like that. But the data collection, is that all automated? Yeah. So from a technology perspective, at the end of the day, we are a data company. We're collecting data on what events people are interested in, how much they're willing to pay, things like that. For for the example that you're referring to of the game being moved from Buffalo to Detroit, um, that's a unique instance. You know, in, in that case, people in Buffalo likely can't make it to Detroit. Um, it's a real unfortunate situation for Buffalo because they're losing revenue in that case and likely refunding all of their ticket holders and then reissuing tickets to people in Detroit. So um, that one is more of a nightmare situation on, on our end. Um, the data of the seating locations and the sections and rows and things like that, that's all automated. Um, so we don't really have to worry about that. Um, but in the event that someone did purchase with the intent to go to Buffalo, of course, we will offer them, uh, we will offer them a refund considering they probably can't make it to Detroit. What is the average ticket sale discount for somebody who decides to go on there and find their section and name their price at Ticket Rev? What are mm. you seeing in the numbers as the average discount for your buyers? Yeah, we're seeing buyers save about 18% on average um, compared to uh, sales that are transacting on other marketplaces. So it's a real money saver. Um, it's not just a cool way to do things. Um, we believe that our product is helping people save money and we are doing that through this Name Your Price tool. And 18% is huge when you're actually mm -hmm. sitting where you want as well. You've actually, yeah. you know, you, you've laid this kind of all out and this is right. fascinating. How do you think, how do you see the future in ticket sales in five and 10 years, especially now that I think since Taylor Swift spoke last night, mm -hmm. we're going to start to see more voices come out. Could Ticketmaster mm -hmm. be in some sort of a cancel culture situation? Right. I mean, what they're doing Somebody told me like a bad seat was like $3,300. You know, right. Taylor Swift just wants to do her shows. She just wants right. to see her fans. Um, where do you see all of this going? Will it become regulated for someone like a Ticketmaster? Or will people just avoid buying from shows that are exclusive to Ticketmaster? Yeah, it's, it's tough. At the end of the day, ticketing and entertainment is a business just like anything else. And so all of these companies are trying to maximize their revenue and their profits. Um, I think it starts both with the fans who, you know, we're seeing Taylor Swift fans boycott Ticketmaster, you know, it's trending on Twitter, and we're also seeing artists displeased with how their fans are feeling. Um, so I think in order um, to disrupt Ticketmaster, it has to come from both sides, both the artists yep. and the fans. Um, because Ticketmaster and Live Nation are the same company, they they usually have relationships both with the venues and with the promoters of the concerts. Um, and so it's going to take a lot um, to really unseat them. But with all of the negative press that they're getting, I, I, I think for the first time we're seeing um, a real pull at, at, at potentially eliminating their pricing strategies and things like that. Yeah, it's really about the fact that, first of all, they kind of have a monopoly with Live Nation mm -hmm. and Ticketmaster yep. being combined. People don't realize how much power Live Nation has over artists, agents, and everything. And then right. you have Ticketmaster having the venues and everything else. So mm -hmm. that's kind of unfair in a sense, but more than anything, if something like this can raise awareness and make people understand that there could be an alternative method to go to see the games or shows or concerts they want to see at a better price where they don't feel like something's going to change. If mm -hmm. they try to go in on a presale, they get their hopes up. They, you know, they put in their time to get off from work. They gather their bunch of friends. Right. We're going to this on this date. Then they get mm -hmm. an email like, Oh, your ticket went up this much money. They can't afford to go. And all of these things just disrupt people from 
the excitement that they had towards something. This raises awareness that people have other options and ticket rev your company, right. Jason, being an option at a very unique time mm -hmm. where people are trying to say, you know what? I just won't do that one thing if it has to do with that one company. I'll find a different way to go about it. Right. Exactly. And and ultimately we we see that that people using our product, it is um essentially mapping out the way a normal person is looking for tickets. When you're on Ticketmaster or any of the other platforms, you're trying to pick out individual seats and it's very confusing and complicated. Whereas with us, the two most popular requests we get is, hey, I just want a ticket anywhere in the building or I just want a ticket in the lower level. Find me the best deal. Um, and so ultimately we're figuring out what is the typical user journey of someone looking for tickets. Um, and we're integrating that into our marketplace to make it a more seamless experience. That's awesome. I mean, I love all of this. When we initially reconnected, so it was after the pandemic, and that's right, because mm -hmm. you did tell me uh, that this was tough for you, which you had no business. We met at headquarters. You came in to see me mm -hmm. to, to say hello again, which was so cool. You were up here visiting family, right? Is that what you were doing here after the pandemic? Because you're back in Florida now. Yeah. So I was, um, I was living, I, I live in New York. I'm, I'm home now for Thanksgiving, um, Thanksgiving week, but, uh, but live in New York with friends. Um, of course came, came by to see you. New York's awesome. And, and so, um, between New York and, and Florida, it's the two, the two best places to be. Yeah. When it gets too cold up here, you can hide out down there. It's a great place to be for right. Thanksgiving, but I love that you came in cause you knew I respect anyone that's on their grind. Right. And the oh, fact yeah. that you were so creative when we first met in 2013, you had your thing going then and you were really young. You were really young mm -hmm. when I met you. And yep. then I meet you again almost 10 years later and you bring your new business to me. And this is what I'm doing now. And I think it's great because you know I'm a huge sports fan. You and I will definitely go to a Knicks game or two. I mm -hmm. also know a lot of people that are season ticket holders. And they're always like reaching out like, hey, you know, I got these tickets. We're not going to be able to go. Mm -hmm. Like a great thing for a season ticket holder is to start really aligning your schedule monthly and saying, okay, these are the games I'm going to go to. Mm -hmm. These aren't. There's nothing wrong with making a little bit of money off of them. And even if you donate that exactly. money to charity, like there's nothing wrong with that. But at least knowing someone else is going to sit in the seats and enjoy the game. I think it's great. You've got both sides covered from the seller to the buyer. And I think it's really clever that people are coming to you in this way. Like, hey, I just really want to go to this game. Whereas I think mm -hmm. they feel like if they did that last minute at a larger company, Ticketmaster, StubHub, they'd be charged an arm and a leg. Because if you want to do something, people know right. it and they're going to charge you for it. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of entrepreneurship and startups is that we get to identify this very clear pain point and, and build around what consumers want. And so not only are we making fans cheap or not only are we making tickets cheaper for fans, but we're helping sellers sell faster and, and not have to waste time and not always having to give away their tickets. How many last minute tickets do you see going up for things where people just realize last minute they can't go? Because I imagine now that I'm really wrapping my head around this, you mm -hmm. kind of want to check your site every day to see what's been listed yeah. too. It's kind of like yeah. how we used to check eBay or how we used to check a site to put new items mm -hmm. up every day. You know, this thrift shop that I love that has old vintage stuff. Like you have to go regularly. So you kind of yeah. got to be at your site regularly if you want to do a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, it's it's all the time in, in the in the entire ticketing industry. Um, almost half of almost half of event tickets are sold the week of the event and a large portion of that are sold the day of the event. Um, and, and that goes back to the conversation about prices drop. And, and so again, if you bid on ticket rev, you don't have to always be monitoring, you know, we'll let you know when the price drop happens we'll because your bid will be fulfilled. Exactly. Now, what is the cost for a buyer? I know this is what listeners will want to know as well. There's always a cost. Yeah. There's a cost to running any business. What's the cost to the buyer to buy the tickets? And what's the cost to the seller to sell the tickets? Yeah. So we currently do not charge buyers a fee. Uh, when you go on our platform and you bid, um, you're bidding whatever your set amount is. And, and we help you suggest the right amount. Uh, but there's no additional fee. We, When starting this business and, and we were just collecting data and collecting feedback, the most popular and most common point was that people hate fees for buyers um, and there's no need for it. We charge the seller an eight and a half percent commission fee. So when you come on and you accept a bid, um, we take eight and a half percent. But for buyers, there's no additional fee. So you're only getting it one way instead of both, whereas most ticket exchanges get it both ways. They charge a fee. And the reason people dislike fees so much is because they appear after you've already committed mm -hmm. to how much you're willing to spend. And sometimes right. they appear in layers. Like if you look at your sell bill or you look at something else you purchased, like there's this fee, then there's a state fee, then there's a city fee. Right. And it's being like, 
another $27. And mm -hmm. that would be different for somebody right. that only had a hundred dollars to spend. So your buyer just pays for the ticket straight, just getting right. the ticket that they want. So when they truly say, I'm willing to spend a hundred, I want to be in the lower section. If that becomes available, they spend a hundred, not 105, not 115, not 120. Exactly. And and my favorite one is is always when these companies charge a processing fee, but it's all electronic. So it's all happening automatically and no one's actually doing anything. Um, and it's, you know, a 15, 20% additional fee. Okay. That burns me too, because yeah. there's some old school things that still processing fee is like shipping, but you're not yeah. using UPS because there was a time where you had to get them FedEx right. or UPS due. And by yep. the way, they would charge you twice as much as, as FedEx charge, but mm -hmm. you're right. Yep. That is an annoying fee because you're not processing anything. You're using the internet, right? You're sending exactly. an email. Yep. That's all. And they'll also charge you a processing fee for the financial transaction, right? Meanwhile, your mm -hmm. credit card is charging you a fee. They'll also charge you a fee on that. I think this is fabulous. I love this whole concept. And Jason, I love the most that you and I are having this conversation right now when I think we're going to learn a lot about ticket sales over the next month. Mm -hmm. You know, last night was just the beginning with Taylor Swift getting to speak her mind while she was on stage yep. accepting awards and really opening the eyes of others to do more research because that is something we all forget the internet is valuable for. There is mm -hmm. a lot of research to be done and you could read multiple different articles written. You could understand how the process works and you can make a a decision that I'm not going to feed into that because it's unfair. And I'm going to try and get my tickets in a better situation where I'm not putting myself in a situation financially I can't afford. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and ultimately going to events, you know, seeing your favorite artist, seeing your favorite team, it's about having fun. Um, and so there's no reason that the ticketing process should be such a barrier to being able to do this. Um, we understand that it's a business, that tickets cost money. Um, but the, at the end of the day, we hope to make an experience that all fans love and, and um, feel like is acceptable in our industry. Yeah. Well, when you think about big events, like you talk about the World Series or whatever, you know very few people that are even going to try to go unless they're season ticket right. holders, unless they have some right. a company that has a – because all of these things have been priced out of the realistic. And it's a bummer mm -hmm. because the true Mets fan that goes to every single home game doesn't really have – $5,000 a ticket potentially to spend right. on going to the World Series. And they're the ones that were committed the whole season. And then you get a bunch of people, kind of looks like the Kentucky Derby. I've been to the Derby. And what I love the most about it is it's like 99% of the people there that, you know, if they aren't from there, they know nothing about horse racing. They care nothing right. about her. It's a thing to be seen. It's yeah. like the Super Bowl. It's a thing to be seen. It's not the true gritty sports fan that right. it really could put the money aside and go. Mm -hmm. And who knows if that will ever change with these big events. But knowing that you mm -hmm. can be a part of more games and going to games is such an experience. You love LeBron. We love the NBA. To me, two sports that I love the most live are basketball and hockey. Mm -hmm. Hockey live is next level because you see every fight, you hear every hit, you know, just something about hockey. Baseball is great, but if you don't have a good seat at the park and maybe it's sunny on your mm -hmm. side or it's shady, it could be cold, it could be hot. There's a lot of variables. You're indoors. Yep. The yep. hockey music is totally different than the NBA music. The hockey mm -hmm. vibe is totally different than the NBA vibe. They're both like, what are your favorite sporting events to see in person? Um, I grew up first was baseball. Um, you know, here in Miami, we have the roof, so we don't necessarily face that issue as much. Um, although the Marlins haven't been, uh, haven't been too great in recent years, but I, I think they have runs though. Not... They do have yeah. runs through the season where everyone's like, Oh, they're coming up. It's just like the Mets like, yep. Oh, they're coming up. They'll fall apart. Don't yeah. worry. Right. Um, but basketball. basketball is, I, basketball is number one for me. I mean, that's the best, especially when you have a good seat. Um, you know, in New York, obviously it's always great, whether it's Knicks or Nets. Um, and it's always the best environment. It's the most entertaining and most fast paced. It's about, I, I agree. And the, the music and just being able to, the, the vibe, and it's also short, right? It's not as long as a baseball game. So your, your right. attention span doesn't have to be mm -hmm. quite as great. And I think people forget, like right. if you live in New York city and you haven't gone to a game at MSG, mm -hmm you don't know what it's like. Like it is, yeah. a, it's, it's an experience. You just think about the history and there's something like that I love the most about games. It's when the game first is getting ready to start and all the players are out and I look around, it's really starting to fill up. And I think everybody is taking time out of their life 
They're putting their stress aside. They're putting everything in their life aside to focus on this one same thing. We're all focusing on this same thing. Who's going to win this game? And there's something right. like such a community about that. And mm-hmm. I, I'm always preaching to my friends, like, even if you don't love this sport, go to the game and feel the vibe. You know, check right. out the energy of it. You could fall in love with the sport once you go live. And the same with concerts. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the hardest thing post COVID, I think even once we were starting to open things is people's confidence in going into crowded places, people's mm-hmm. confidence in, you know, whether you got really affected by it, whether it, you know, whether you watch too much news, then it built this kind of thing in your head. And now I'm starting to see it. And, um, Friday night when I was at young gravy, I would say, that was probably one of the biggest, uh, of course, some of the clubs here in New York that I've been to, like you would think it never happened. It's just packed wall to wall. You're, you're walking through like this with security to get to your spot. And it really makes me happy because it makes me happy to know that people are living again. These are experiences right. that we need in our lives. Yeah. And sports and music bring people together. You know, when you're at the garden, you're part of a community of fans who aren't thinking about anything else going on in their lives, except rooting for their team to win and seeing their favorite players and things like that. And and that was what was so difficult about COVID. And now coming out of COVID, people are coming together again. And that's, that's the best thing about this is we're helping facilitate that. And we're helping people get to see their favorite artists and their favorite teams. You are very active on TikTok. Instagram. You yep. also have Twitter. Everything is the same at Ticket mm-hmm. Rev, and that's R E V, correct? Correct. At Ticket Rev. And everybody's going to go, we're both wearing our matching hoodies. I assumed Jason yep. was going to wear black today. So I wore gray because I had the choice between black or gray. And I was like, I think he's going to wear mm-hmm. black. So I'm going to wear gray. And look, we didn't. We're twinsing today, which is super cute. Super cute. Um, I love this ticketrev.com. I want all of my people to learn all about it. I think this is going to be the most cutting edge conversation I've been able to have here on the Lisa Ann experience. Mm -hmm. What you're doing right now, when we check in on this in a year, I can't wait to see all of the responses and to see people on TikTok talking about being at the show and how easy it was to get the tickets and the no fee for a buyer is commendable because it's easy to be greedy when all of your competitors are greedy. And it's also easy to feel afraid that you won't be successful if you're not as greedy as them because you're playing in kind of an unequal field, right? But you're doing this your way. And I love that about you, Jason Shatsky. This has been an amazing conversation. Everybody is going to go follow all things at Ticket Rev. And we're going to go to a game together in New York when we're both back from Thanksgiving. And we are going to start talking about what tickets are up. And I'm going to start once a week, I'll go up there and be like, yo, I'm on TikTok right now. Like anybody want to go to this game? I see all these seats up here. Mm -hmm. We got to do these things. This is going to be fun. Let's get out. We're going to make this happen. Thanks for joining me today, Jason. Sounds good. Thank you so much for your time and, and really looking forward to it. That was such a great conversation. I love everything about this option of just saying, this is me naming my price. Like this is what I can afford. If I get to go great, if I don't get to go, that's okay too. Rather than being into instant gratification and overspending money, we shouldn't be spending. We all really could live on that budget. Ticket Rev allows you to do that. If you're someone that has tickets, season ticket holder, someone who got tickets as a gift and isn't able, bought tickets. And then last minute, something came up with work and you can't go. A great platform for you to be able to uh, make maybe your money back, sell these tickets, get somebody in that seat to enjoy that show. You can follow all social media at Ticket Rev and that's Ticket R-E-V. Well, the moment you've all been waiting for is right here. That's right. It is time for the mailbag. Uh, This part of the exercise you really love. If you want to be a part of the exercise, you can email me at ask. Lisa Ann at gmail.com. I've actually got some good ones. Let's get to it. Here we go. The wild ride that is the Ask Lisa Ann mailbag. This is where you get to ask me something. I will say there have been better questions coming in lately. Uh, Don't think I'm not ignoring a ton of creeper questions too, but this is actually a pretty robust and decent combination of questions. There's really very few, not really any creepy spots. Uh, one that could be, but we're going to act like it's not. How's that sound? So Dakota says, hi, my name is Dakota and I'm interested in meeting you someday. If I can, would you be willing to meet me? So Dakota, 
And to anyone out there who has this same question, I want to meet you. I do live events just like any other entertainer, celebrity, and I do these live events to meet my fans. That's the only place I meet people other than my friends. So on my free time, just like anybody else that's not working, um, I'm with my friends doing my things, going to Young Gravy concerts, going to games, you know, seeing my friends, going skiing, like friends things. So I do public events for that reason. So maybe Dakota was just asking to go to an event or maybe Dakota was thinking I would meet him one-on-one, but I don't meet anybody one-on-one. I am an entertainer of the masses. I am not an entertainer of the individual. I'm sorry to say I'm not that clever. So here is my list of events coming up in the near future where you can meet me and I can meet you. December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, I will be in DC at Exotica. It is at the Duels Expo Center, which is on the border of like Virginia, Chantilly, Virginia. I will be there Friday, 6 to 10, Saturday, 3 to 8, and Sunday, 1 to 4. On Saturday night, the 3rd, I will also be hosting at the Over Under Club, the new sports book open on the very top floor of the cloakroom in DC. I've been to the cloakroom many times. I do the cloakroom classic, which is their golf charity event. I love those people and I'm super stoked to get to be a part of the sports book and see what it's all about because we had been talking about the last uh, golf event that it was in the works and it's a beautiful, beautiful club too. So Super stoked about that. So that's a place where if you're in that area, December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, Exotica, D.C., December 3rd, the Over Under Club up top of Cloakroom. And let's see where else. Uh, December 8th, I will be going to celebrate the life of Jay Randolph Jr. from TMASTL, the morning show that I love to do in St. Louis, who I thank you all so much, took part in a GoFundMe for Jay's end-of-life care and Jay passed away last week. So we were planning on having this event as another fundraiser for Jay, which we will still be doing, but Jay's family had picked a charity that he'd like the money to go to. And we are going to celebrate Jay's life that night. Hopefully we all can stand up and share a loving story. As many of us, I know, have so many. We are all better people because Jay was in our lives. We know that he is looking over us and wants us to be happy and celebrate. So December 8th, I will be out there in St. Louis uh, to celebrate the life of my friend Jay. January 5th, 6th, and 7th, I will be in Las Vegas at ABN signing at the Elevated X booth. So you can find me there. I'll be putting the details of where that booth is located, but January 5th, 6th, and 7th, AVN in Las Vegas, which is going to be held at Resort Worlds. Resorts World. Um, so that's answering. I thought, Dakota, did I answer your question? So now you know. I, I meet people at public events. Moving on. Aaron says, Hi, Lisa. I'm from the Phillipsburg area, but being that you're from Easton, where was your favorite spot to eat in that area? So I tried to look this up online, but I don't know if this place is still in business. There was a place in College Hill that was right across from the 7-11, the 7-Eleven that I think then turned into a Wawa or oh no, it was always a Wawa. It was, it was a little Wawa called Marucci's or Marucci's. One or the other it was either Marucci's or Marucci's, but they made these calzones and they were massive and they were numbered. So like one was like just cheese and sauce. Then two was maybe meatball and cheese. And it was the coolest thing because they would make the calzone with the extra dough. They would make you whatever the number was. And I remember the number would be in dough right on top of the calzone. And you take that number off and you dip it in the sauce. And it was just like extra amazing crust. But we loved that place. So I would say that's the place that came to my mind first thing, the most memorable, because that was a place we always wanted to go. And I had a lot of friends that lived up in that area. One of my closest girlfriends growing up lived right down the street from Marichi's and we used to go there all the time. So that's your answer there for my local spot. I know there was a deli downtown Easton in the circle and I can't remember the name of it. It was an old school deli and they, they had like big, big, big sandwiches and great soups. Um, but it was a small town when I was there. I left in the early nineties and now it's grown so much. There's beautiful restaurants there. Now there was very limited options when I was there. Now the next email we've got here. Don't forget you can be a part of this at asklisaann at gmail.com. Hi, Lisa. I just received your second book, The Life Back, and I read it cover to cover in one sitting. You can get your copy of The Life Back at my store, shoplisaann.com, or on Amazon. That was not in his email. Yes, I love to read. 
After finishing the book, my respect for what you've accomplished in your life has grown 200%. When reading what you went through when you first year of retirement, I could only feel shock and outrage. I know that's a period of your life that you don't want to recall or relive, so let's just say it was a dark time. Though this will probably not be read on your podcast, but I decided it should be read on my podcast, I'd like to ask how this period has changed your personal life, your personal friendships with those that are close to you. Again, keep up your great charity work, and I will continue to follow you and listen as often as I can. Often as I can. Regards, Michael. You know, this changed my life more than any one experience. And it was really a combination of experiences. And I, my book opens with it. It was just, it was a real game changer. It really rattled my core. It really put me in a setback for not something temporary. It was really a year of my life that I went through an entire setback. And I'll say it forced me to be still. It forced me to be still in my thoughts and it forced me to reevaluate my life. And so I like to call it the best worst experience I've ever had because it was at that time the worst experience, but it made me have so much more love for the, the people that were in my life, my friends that stayed, what, what remained, right? Whatever lasted was just the most important thing to me. And so I'm cherishing less people more than thinking I have all of these people. It kind of weeded through people and relationships, including my family, which it's been better for me because that was a destructive and toxic relationship. So it weeded out things that were already really fragile. It made me take stock in money and how I had spent my money. And it made me adopt the living lifestyle of minimalism. So that's huge. It put me down a rabbit hole of reading, watching documentaries, bettering myself, understanding life, and just being more present. So it affected me in a bad way as I was going through it. But getting out of it, it's the one experience that I believe made the rest of my life easier. You know, sure, I'm going to go through hard times again. We're all going to go through ups and downs in life. But valuing my friendships and knowing I have people to lean on and being more present for them, um, deleting the clutter from my life, whether it was emotional, whether it was physical and item, you know, minimalism in every way, shape or form, life, relationships, things, um, moving cross country and taking myself from living in a huge space to a small apartment, uh, not having a car, just really changed me in so many ways that have just left me feeling more free uh, and left my life feeling more manageable and comfortable and contentment. Like, so yes, it affected me, but at the end of the day, I am glad that it happened because it put me where I am right now. And hopefully I would have got here eventually, but that forced me to get here a lot faster and it's made my life a lot better. So sometimes when we're going through something that's awful, you know, I would tell myself when I was going through it, I just got to get to the other side. I would tell myself that every day and it was dark and it was depressing and it was, and it was hard. And I, I, I worked out so hard. I was in the best shape of my life because that was something I could do. And I wasn't in a hurry to do it. It was a little escape. I'd go to the gym and be like two hours. And I would just, I was the healthiest because I had, you know, so much time I wasn't doing it and it was positive. I didn't let myself drink. So I didn't have any alcohol for two years. Um, but I would tell myself, I just got to get to the other side and having that faith and having patience. That was the other two things I would say. I just got to have faith and patience, faith and patience. It's these little, little things, but they made a big difference. And now I'm on the other side and I'm telling you about it and I got to write about it and life is good. So thank you for that question, Michael. And thanks for listening. Billy writes, what sports did you play as a young girl? I've always played basketball. I don't know if you consider skiing a sport, but I do. And I was part of my ski school and I still ski. Um, and that's really it. I wasn't really big into track and field because I was too busy bike riding, which is something I still do. Uh, pretty much the basics that I did when I was younger, I still do now. But being athletic has always been a part of my life and exercising and moving has always been a part of my life. Last question right here for the mailbag. What is your greatest passion in life and why? Much love and respect. Keep up the awesome work. Lawrence.
What is your greatest passion in life and why? Lawrence, this may be one of the best podcast questions I've ever gotten. Because when I was learning and developing this different sense of understanding people and things, what I learned was intelligent people would ask people, what are you passionate about? Over asking them, what do you do for a living? They ask them deliberate questions. This is a deliberate question. And the reason I wanted to answer it is because I had an answer immediately, as soon as I saw it. When I see an email and I'm like, my greatest passion in life and why? My greatest passion in life is to communicate. And that's just one small word. But take that around the globe, okay? And take that as big as you can see it. Because by me communicating, whether it was at one time, I communicated by dancing on stage. At another time, I communicated by shooting photos and making movies and knowing that I was going to be out to the world. I communicate here on my podcast. I communicate here on my radio shows. I communicate on my social media. So communication was the word that came to me right away. So why overthink it? Why think, no, that can't be it? So I actually sat for 15 minutes, Lawrence, and I was like, how could you explain what you mean by your greatest passion is to communicate? I I can only explain it by the way of living my life to the fullest amount of interactions with people, human experience, that's communication. Storytelling, that's communication. Making time for work colleagues to expand something, that's communication. My entire existence is really truly based on one thing, it's communicating. And as simple as that is, I'm passionate about it because it makes me happy, because it keeps me open-minded, keeps me vibrant, keeps me from aging, keeps me understanding generations, old, young, new, old, like it keeps me learning and growing. Because when you're communicating all the time, you got to have shit to say. So you're constantly listening to other people communicate and you find yourself really finding pleasure in how someone tells a story or how someone, you know, McAfee, if you're a McAfee fan, you know the vibe you feel when you watch the show, when he is communicating with us, when they are in the room communicating with each other, we feel this energy. You can be having a bad day at work and they make you laugh. You look forward to it. I look forward to giving that. I also look forward to receiving it. I appreciate it from others. But my entire being has somehow been quietly about communication. And when I get to travel the world and go to these events, like I was just in Switzerland for Ecstasia, I get to communicate with people that I never even knew that I would see in real life. That I would, you know, maybe I talked to them on Twitter, but I never knew we'd cross paths and shake hands and hug. So that level of shared experience is another way I'm defining communication. I love to be present in the actual moment we're living and be talking about it. I love that when I go on this vacation, my girlfriend and I will literally just talk every day, all day. Um, It's me, her, and her husband. They're my two favorite people in the world. They're my longest term best friends. They're like family to me. They're like brother and sister, like best friends. Like they're, they're everything. And they're my favorite two humans in the world. Almost 30 years now. And I look forward to just like, I'll be, I'll sit on, we'll shoot the fat. We're all Dallas Cowboys fans. We'll talk, we'll tell stories. I'm bringing all my photos from my trip so we can go through them. Um, But yeah, that's a great question because obviously if I didn't love to communicate, I might have an office job where I was more behind a computer. I might be doing anything than all the things that I've somehow navigated myself to do. They've all stemmed from communication. So Lawrence, that was a real thinker and I loved it. But as soon as I saw it, the word communication came to my mind. My greatest passion is sharing myself in the present moment by communicating. And it could be body language. It can be talking. It could be telling a story, but that's it. And that was a great question. That's why I saved it for the very last question. Now, flavor of the day today is my (laughs) go-to. Black Cherry Cola Fit Soda. Go and follow at Fit Sodas on IG and TikTok. See where you can find Fit Soda near you. There's four flavors. You're going to love them all. Ultra Farm RX is your new home to get Viagra and Cialis, the generics and the non-generics. The price difference is crazy. You have the choice of either, but I think you're going to want to get on a program. 
a U.S. licensed physician. We'll do a survey with you. We'll get back to you. This is like a three-minute whole process. Go to ultrafarmrx.com today and learn all about it. An easy way for you to get discreet packaging sent to your door with the things that you need to feel and perform your best. Jason Shatsky right here with us today from Ticket Rev. Go to TicketRev.com. Check out shows that you want to see, games you want to go to. Love having someone really give us the nuts and bolts of what made them start this business and where they hope this business goes in the future. So that was an awesome conversation. Follow at Ticket Rev. To all of you, have a wonderful Thanksgiving, however you choose to spend it, whether you're with your loved ones, whether you have to work, these things happen too. Whatever you choose to do, just make sure that you take some time to be thankful for the life that you're living, the things that you're doing, the people that you have, you know, just live in gratitude. This is that holiday. It's that holiday. Be thankful. And I am incredibly thankful for all of you that you want to be a part of me communicating, that you've bought my book at shoplisaann.com, book one, the life book, two, the life back. Maybe you've gone to Amazon. Amazon has the audio version of the first book, The Life. I am soon to record. I'm actually waiting for it to get really snowy and cold out. That is going to be the perfect time for me to lock myself in my closet and record audiobook number two. Unless Kay's available, it might just be easier for me to go to Nashville and do it in person and not be locked in my closet. But we'll figure all that out. We'll cross that road when we get to it. It will be coming out. You can get the Audible on both The Life and The Life Back at Amazon. I am so thankful for all of you. I'm thankful that you make this podcast part of your listening experience. To the girls and my friends that got to go to Young Gravy, what a show if he comes near you. I advise you go out for a fun night and be a part of all that. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget the YouTube Live, 8 p.m. on Fridays. That's 8 p.m. Eastern time. My YouTube, The Real Lisa Ann, the video component of this drops, and you'll get to understand when I'm pointing to a sweatshirt what I actually mean because I'm wearing a gray sweatshirt that says Ticket Rev, and Jason was wearing the same. Thanks for listening to an all-new episode of The Lisa Ann Experience. 